Good morning, and thank you for spending some of this summer Saturday with me. I'm Sana, and you're listening to Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. Every Saturday morning, I'm joined by experts from across the country who are investigating our most pressing social issues and common curiosities. Over the next hour, we'll learn about their motivations, inspirations, and of course, what they know about the world around us. So grab that cup of coffee and get ready for a fun and insightful conversation. It's all around us. It can be a defining part of who we are and we live in it. I'm talking about fashion. What we wear or don't wear and how we wear it says a lot about who we are. Today, we're talking fashion, creating luxury, entrepreneurship, and so, so much more with celebrity Taylor Fresh. Fresh is the bespoke tailor behind the luxury fashion house, Rich Fresh. The self-taught LA-based designer has roots here in Memphis, Tennessee, where he first opened a tailoring shop and began selling custom bags. Throughout the pandemic, you may have seen his fashionable, colorful, and comfortable Henry masks that he launched with his brother, Chase. Or maybe you know his work from the weekend's red suit from his After Hours campaign, or Justin Bieber's peach-colored suit in his video for the hit song, Peaches. Now, while most of Fresh's pieces are one-of-ones, earlier this spring, Fresh launched a limited-run, ready-to-wear collection called the Binghampton Collection, named, of course, after the Memphis neighborhood. Welcome, Fresh. It is so exciting to have you here with us this morning. It is quite the honor. Absolutely. The honor's all mine, you know in town i gotta come back <laughs> whenever i can you know yes absolutely well you have been everywhere over this past year which i think might be kind of you know wild to think about since you know the year that we've had but just in case folks don't know i also want to talk about this giveaway that you just did with hagen dazs so just this week, you partnered with the iconic ice cream company to give away one of your luxury athleisure track suits. Okay, so tell us more about how this collaboration come, came to be. So, you know, um, I'm doing my thing one day, just minding my business. And, uh, no, I'm tripping. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, um, I've been doing the track suits for a minute, and... You know, I believe, I'm a firm believer that anything you do consistently will ultimately get the attention. So you just have to, like, move in a certain space, be very consistent. And I did the tracksuits very consistently. And um, obviously, I've got a very great working relationship with Lena Waithe, who's also a big part of this Hagen Dazs uh, initiative. And, you know, um, my name just came up in the conversation by, like, multiple people. And usually, like, that's a sign of... Uh, of congruency like you know when multiple people are saying a name usually people start to pay attention like okay who is this rich fresh guy and why is everyone saying his name and i think when they went and took a look they're like yo this guy really is on some like his own version of luxury which happened to be the whole undertone of this concept is like luxury isn't purely defined by what one or two groups determine it is like luxury has so many different um connotations and definitions just based on who who's administering the luxury. So I think they just saw my thing and they were like, yo, this dude is dope. It's definitely luxury. Let's tap in with him and see if he'd be uh, a good fit, which obviously it was a good fit. 
Obviously, obviously. And I love this idea of creating different types of luxury. And I think that is what Rich Fresh, the brand is all about, is redefining what what luxury is. So I'd really love if you kind of talk more about just the concept behind the tracksuits themselves, because I think that really is the iconic piece that you have. You know, um, the whole ideology behind the tracksuits, I had a chance, I met Tom Ford in 2016, probably. 2015, I, I, I was 2016, 2016. Um, fall 2016. Mm-hmm. And when I met him, my big takeaway, I just met him randomly in a fabric store but you know he was dressed up he was dressed in tom ford he looked like tom ford mm-hmm. and i met him and i spoke with him and i shook his hand and i recognized in that moment that tom ford's brand was just an extension of tom ford the designer mm-hmm. like his his brand was just clothes that he would wear it's just he gave other people the opportunity to buy it as well so i decided that i would build my brand the same way like just make sure that you would want to wear and your audience will identify with it. You don't have to make clothes for other people. Make clothes for yourself. Um, and I, you know, was wondering, like, when I'm not wearing a suit, what would I want to wear? I want to wear a suit all the time, even though that night, I like to wear, you know, some track pants, you know, something that still look tailored, but it's super comfortable. And I, I, I built that for myself, you know, mm-hmm. like sort of a way to have some colorful sh- you know, it's a color block concept. I've got the main color. I've got the stripes. So I can change the tone and the feeling of this one product just by changing the colors. I don't have to change the pattern or the style of the design. All I got to do is just change the colors. And I really like that. So um, I just ran with it as, you know, my extension. This is like some niche. I really like this. And people took on, you know, they, they caught on. Um, I was encouraged to take the track pants and add a jacket to it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it just evolved from there. But the track pants just started because I got tired of wearing suits every day. I just needed something else to wear that still looked luxurious. Yes, and they do look so luxurious. And I love that point you made about the versatility, right? The actual, you know, the pattern, the cut, that is what it is, but you can make it something different, give it a different flavor and style with all the different colors and combinations that you can actually create. And, you know, when you said, you know, how this meeting with Tom Ford and you realize like, his brand was just an extension of himself. And obviously that's what the athleisure, the track suit is to you, an extension of yourself as well. But it makes me think about, you know, creating your own lane versus, you know, trying to fit in or trying to replicate what other people are doing. And in so many different ways, you have really carved out your own lane. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I've always been that way, Wendy. You know, uh, well, Sana. Um, see, you can tell we go back. You can tell we go way back. You know, what I mean? uh, but you know, I've always been that way. Um, I remember being at the premiere. Mm-hmm. That was one of the first times that it hit me. I was at a club premiere. I was in high school, um, and I, you know, you go to the mall, you get an outfit together, and I had gone to the Beverly Center. I may have gone to. Uh, to the Raleigh Mall, but it's probably the Beverly Center. I mean, not the Beverly Center, but Wolf Chase. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
you know, I found this really nice polo shirt, you know, and I, I found the pants with it. I put the shoes together. I got, I got the whole ensemble. I'm like, I'm going to go all out. <laughs> and, you know, I, play, I, I played it the right way. It was beautiful. So I get in there. I'm, I'm there with my homeboys. We doing what we do. You know, we checking out the girls and whatnot. And I damn near bumped. I mean, I'm talking about came face to face with a guy wearing the exact same shirt I was wearing. <laughs> but it was oversized on him. And his pants was baggy and his shoes were dirty. And it set my whole outfit. It made me feel like my outfit was an extension of his outfit. We were basically wearing the same. Like we was twins or something. Like we must have called each other and said, hey, man, what you wearing? <laughs> oh, me too. All right, cool. I'll meet you there. Um, and I remember how, like, I had to leave. I was so bothered that I left. Oh, my so, goodness. And, you know, you know, to get in the club premiere, I mean, you're waiting in line for 45 minutes. So imagine being in the club 20 minutes and leaving because somebody wearing your shirt. Um, so after that, I realized that that was painful for me. It's looking like other people. I'm not a conformist. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always been real big for me to have my own identity and do things that other people aren't doing. Um, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just, that's the whole reason why I do custom the way I do it because I'm, it's, the antithesis of you're ready to wear, ready to wear. I mean, you got, you got all the big rappers wearing the same jacket talking about who wore it best. That mm-hmm. to me is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Who wore it best? No, that that's not exclusive at all. Right. You know, I think if you're super successful, you should have something that no one else can even get access to. I think that's way more fun than who wore it best. right right absolutely and I mean so of course creating this very signature piece and uh, of course all of the custom work you do as well with suiting is obviously being kind of the main thing that you're known for Uh, but outside of just that also when I think about your creation of this luxury, again, luxury, this luxury fashion house, this creation of Rich Fresh, the brand, you know, that's another aspect of you creating your own lane, right? An independent company, an independent label that you've done outside of how we might traditionally think of um, brands coming into being. You know, so of course, outside of, you know, maybe editorial placements, outside of runway shows, um, but you really created a luxury fashion house that people are <laughs> definitely paying attention to. Could you tell us more about your decision to stay independent? Um, that's again, you know, that's from my upbringing. I mean, I got to attribute a lot of the way I moved to what I saw coming up. You know, you coming up as a teenager. I came up during the era of Master P, you know, so you got P, you got Puff, uh, you got Birdman, but you really got P, you know, and it's like the whole idea of, I I remember the interview where P said, you know, he went to the label and they offered him a million and he was there with his brother and somebody else. They was like, man, take that million. He's like, no, I'm not taking that million. And he's like, P, you crazy, man. Why don't you take that million? He's like, bro, these folks just offered me a million. How much more do you think I'm worth? Yes. You know, so it was that idea of like, how much more am I worth? If I take an independent deal, I mean, if I take a, you know, a deal and not go independent off the rip, that's like me really not believing in my value. Because nobody, I'm not expecting anyone to give me my value without seeing it first. Mm-hmm. And like, it's taking some time to show how valuable I am and what I do. But you better believe I've had people come to me and offer me all kind of money, 
hey, here's 100,000 for 10%. Here's, you know, half a million for 50%. Here's this, here's that. Here's, you know, uh, I got a bigger company. Let's go into business and then let me just change all your shit. I've had all the people hit me and I just, I have so much confidence in what I'm building that I don't mind building it slow because I know I'm building it right. You know, I'd rather build it slow and right than fast. And, um, <laughs> so that's just my whole thing. Yes, I love that idea of building it slow. And I think that's something so important for folks to hear, especially in an era where it seems like folks are just coming up overnight. And that's not the case, even if we think about your own story and how long you have been tailoring, even though for some people, they might just now be learning your name. You have a lot of years of honing your craft that's behind what they see today. That's what they don't know. Yeah. Like, again, I've been on this path since I was 19. So I was a kid. I was a college dropout broke doing alterations out of his apartment i spent 20 years like well almost 20 years each just being broke but like not quitting not deciding now oh, well i'm gonna do something different uh well let me just i was like no nah, this is my thing i'm gonna do this or bust mm-hmm. um it's just like once it starts happening it really happens so quick it's like once it starts going in the, in the direction of success the massive shit, and I knew it was going to happen like that. I really prayed for it. You know, I prayed, I asked God for what I call meteoric success. Mm. It was a word I used. I was like, God, I want meteoric success. I want this shit that people look at and they can't even understand how it's possible because it took so fucking long to get here. I want the rest of it to happen like that, Mm. you know? Um, And it did. And, you know, I mean, what I've learned is, it could have probably happened like that before, but I made bad decisions or I didn't handle business or I, whatever. And sometimes in business, you can take one step forward and two steps back because you've made a bad decision mm-hmm. as opposed to that one step forward, one step forward, one step forward, you end up somewhere further. So it just took years of making a bunch of mistakes to get to the point where I've made all the mistakes and I know exactly what card not to play, what door not to go in. I can beat the whole game now with my eyes closed. Because I've, I've lost a thousand times. I know how to beat it now. Mm-hmm. I think that's so valuable, too, because you, you've you learned the lessons the hard way. As you say, you've made the mistakes. So hopefully that will, like you said, safeguard you from making mistakes um, in the future. Now, one thing you mentioned was about knowing your value. And of course, this in the context of not taking the deal that seems lucrative at the moment, but you're really, you know, selling a big portion of your company, right? And you you would see that down the road, the effects of that. But I'm also curious if you could tell us more about knowing your value as it pertains to setting your price points, because these are luxury items that you make. Everything that you make when we think about the suiting is all custom and so very pricey. Uh, So could you talk about knowing your value in terms of setting those price points, especially thinking about setting those price points even before you had, you know, you became the celebrity tailor? Um, Again, my first brand was called Rich Freshman. Like I didn't launch Rich Freshman until 2018, which is why people are like, oh my God, it happened for you. You just started three years ago it's not fair no 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 
I just started my last fashion company three years ago. That was like, I had seven more before that. that I put all my money and time into and they didn't give me sh- back. Um, <laughs> this one, yeah, it did really well. And it's three years old. Thank you very much. But I've got, <laughs> I've got a PhD in fucking up shit. Um, so, you know, I quickly learned how to not fuck up shit. But yeah, like, you know, Rich Fresh is really young. Rich Fresh is really young, right? Uh, and when I first launched, the first brand was called Rich Freshman. Mm-hmm. It was not expensive. It was cheap. Mm-hmm. It used to be six fifty, mm-hmm. eight fifty. Um, and so, twenty eighteen, I hit a bad spot. I ended up in a homeless shelter. So I ended up mm-hmm. money, money gone. I was down for like nine months. I mean, nine months, nine months, ninety days, three months. It felt like a, a like a lifetime. Um, and while I was down, you know, I was kind of like, damn, you over here making suits to be mad, like affordable for everybody, and your ass broke you ain't got no money you are here trying to make all these products affordable for everybody and then everybody ain't even with you they're not even supporting your brand you done made your whole business to support people that ain't even gonna support you ain't that something mm. so what would you have wanted to do or you wanted to do luxury why didn't you do it because you didn't think people would respect you and buy from you so you compromise your integrity to appease other people that have not supported you now where you at all right well guess what your ass going to do luxury now. And fuck it. They just can't shop with you. That's what they get. They shouldn't have let your ass go broke. <laughs> you know, that was my thing. Like, hey, if you think I'm too expensive now, you shouldn't have let my ass go broke when I was trying to be inexpensive. That's all y'all. Uh, and, you know, I just really got up the confidence. I felt like if anybody can be luxury, it should be me. Like, my really dope. And I'm a tailor, so I understand detail. Why would I compromise? Why not just stand on that sh- and be luxury? So when I left the shelter, I just decided, like, I'm going to be luxury. And I think before I went in, my suits were 1100 When I came out, it was 2800 And people were like, yo, what the f***? How you double, more than double your sh-? I don't know. You just do. And um, I changed everything about it, though. You know, the production, all the production was local at that point. Um, everything just changed. And those who weren't with it just weren't with it. But... You know, I went, I went to, I went to Rodale Drive. I went to Tom Ford. I went to, you know, Givenchy. I went to all the big labels, and I walked inside and I looked at their price point, and I said, "Well, if you could charge as much for a suit, so can I. If you could charge as much for a shirt, so can I. If you could charge six thousand dollars for a little motorcycle jacket, so can I." <laughs> Yes, I love that. I love, you know, you didn't wait for anyone's permission to change, to decide like what the price is going to be, what you're going to do differently. And I love that. And just to kind of repeat what you said, because I thought this was so impactful. You said originally you made a business to support others, but those folks were not supporting you. And I think that's so important for folks to hear, especially I know there are so many entrepreneurs because oftentimes you might try to be the business or be the product for everybody. And Mm -hmm. that ends up, you're the product or you're the business or you're the person for nobody. Um, Absolutely. And as you so, I think eloquently put it, you said, you know, you compromised your integrity and for what? You know, because in the end, none of those people supported you. You were in a homeless shelter. 
at that point. And so I think it's just such an important lesson that maybe folks who are listening, they don't have to, you know, go through that exact same process, right? They can learn from your story as they're thinking about building their business. Yeah, you know, like once I got into the space of building the Rich Fresh product price point, I didn't go based off my comfort level. Like I didn't go off based off, oh, what would I be comfortable spending on something? It doesn't matter. What will the market bear for a luxury product? Don't think about yourself. Stop looking at yourself as the underdog. Pretend that you're as big as them. What is the market willing to pay? Okay, then give them that much value. If the market's willing to spend 4000 on a suit, all you got to do is give them that much value, dog. They're spending that money with somebody. They're just not going to spend it with someone who's not giving them more value. If you give somebody more value than what they're paying, they think they're getting a good deal, period. So if you give me a suit that I feel is worth 10000 because I'm the only one that got it, it fits this way or whatever the case may be, if I charge you 5000 you think you really got a deal because you did, mm-hmm. you know? So I started moving that way. Don't worry about what you can afford. Worry about what the market needs and what the market can afford. And there's some people out there with some long dollars and they need a product. So find out what, what they will pay for it. Wow. Yes. Let's take a break. You're listening to Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. This is Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Sana, and I'm here with Celebrity Taylor Fresh. Now, of course, with the, with the pandemic, a lot of people had to pivot or perish um, because we're in you know, a very new, unusual circumstance um, with things that, of course, we could not have planned for at all or foreseen. Uh, but for you, you definitely made that pivot and cre- ended up creating the most beautiful and comfortable masks out there. Tell us more about that. So, you know, business had like slowed down completely. Um, uh, yeah, business was done. Like we were, we were in a bad spot and, um, you know, we, we, we weren't really tripping. We were just like, all right, it is what it is. Um, you know, business is just mad slow, but we're going to figure it out. And so, you know, we were like, uh, yeah, things slow down, but I mean, things slow down for everybody. It wasn't just us. So it was not like, a, oh, what was me? What was happening to me? It's like, damn, everybody getting hit with the pandemic. So um, we just chilled. But, you know, at the time, like, I, I had just recently moved my brother out to the West Coast to run um, my factory for me. So he's running production for me. So, you know, my, my mom, I moved my mom out. I, I retired her, so I moved her out to the West Coast. So I'm just chilling with them and just thinking, like, I didn't really have any problems. You know, I had, I had money in the bank. My family was straight. My daughter was straight. But there's a lot of people I knew who were having problems. It's a lot of families who were having problems. So we were more in the mindset of, like, how can we help some of the people that's having problems since we don't have them? Um, and so we immediately went to, like, this mindset of, like, philanthropy. Let's make some T-shirts. Let's sell them to take all the proceeds to benefit, like, food banks and make sure that these kids can eat and not going to schools now. Um, and before we could really, like, push with that, 
our staff, you know, like all the tailors that make all these clothes, I couldn't find masks for them and they needed to get to work. But yeah, but you know, like, um, you know, yeah, we just needed to, to take care of our tailors. So that was just a big thing. Like, um, we need to get some masks for our crew cause they gotta be straight. And we couldn't find any anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I was so frustrated that there was a mask shortage when people need masks more than anything else. So I went down to the factory and I found some material and I made one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, within two weeks, we had sold like 6,000 of them to just individuals and just companies and small businesses. And uh, we realized that there was a bigger need, a bigger market. And we decided to just like start an actual business. So we started Henry, which, as you know, is my last name. It's my brother's last name. Mm-hmm. And um, we created a face mask distribution model. Um, decided, you know, we make really cool masks, make them all here in Los Angeles, real fly. And then we would be philanthropic. And for every mask that we sold, we would donate a mask to like healthcare workers, the families, schools. And that was it. And then, you know, a big thing for us was providing jobs, you know. Mm-hmm. Lots of people were losing their jobs. So we went on this hiring craze. And I think right now we got like 70 75 employees um but we had 40 employees by month three uh Mm -hmm. because we were just like really big on let's if we provide the jobs the work will show up don't worry about that provide the job the work will follow and um we kind of move with that energy and we build something real big Mm-hmm. I think it's so important what you said where the mask or the decision to make the mask it wasn't about money but rather no. out of how can we provide a service to people how can we try to help you know protect people in the way that we you know in the way that we can I didn't even want to do masks at first like my brother kept asking me every day to do a rich fresh mask I thought that that was like lame I'm like no nah, bro that's gouging. Like, I don't want to do a Rich Fresh mask because A, it's going to look like Rich Fresh must be falling off. He's doing. But if I do a mask, it had to be mad expensive. I don't want to do an expensive mask. That's gouging. That's not cool. You know, so I was completely against it until we couldn't find them for the staff. And I still didn't want to do them expensive. I didn't want to. I wanted them to look nice, but I didn't want to have to charge a Rich Fresh price point. So I decided to brand it Henry instead um, and just keep it more in that. You know, it still looks really nice, and it there has there's this aspirational aspect to it, even though it's a seventeen dollar mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I think that's exactly you know thinking about creating a brand, and obviously this is an extension, right? An extension of you, right? Separate from Rich Fresh, but still an extension of fresh (laughs) and so these masks are absolutely gorgeous and really a fashion statement in themselves while they are also doing you know the good work that's needed of keeping people safe correct correct multifunctional Right. Absolutely. Now, I was listening to earlier this week, you were on a live with Lena Waithe and you mentioned about um, and she was asking about the pandemic and, you know, how you were feeling and kind of, you know, this idea that everyone had been canceling on you, had all these appointments to, you know, create custom suits for folks. And because of the pandemic and because there weren't, you know, press or events, people were canceling their appointments. And at a point where you all were having this conversation, you said that you were, you know, you weren't frantic and you weren't, you know, 
really stressed out about what was happening, but instead that you were operating out of peace and not desperation. Mm -hmm. And I love that you said that because there are moments in all of our lives, pandemic or just other things that are happening <laughs> where we start to feel that desperation. And right. so I was wondering if you could kind of talk more about just how did you get to this place of peace? Um, I'm a very spiritual person. You know, I've had to, I've had to go through a lot. You know, I lost my dad real young. Um, you know, my dad died like out of the blue at 52 years old. I was an alcoholic for a long time. I was a coke addict. I was a sex addict. So I done overcame a whole lot of shit. I was depressed. You know, I didn't, I didn't been through all this. Shit. So for me, it's like, I understand how strong spirituality is. And, you know, maintaining your mindset, you know, have the time, the battle's in your mind. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, when the shit, you know, everybody around me panicking, they, they, they're, they're all getting smaller. They're all retracting. Save, save what you got. Save what you got. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Ah, save, save all your... Don't eat any of your food. Save it. Starve today. Save your food for tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Stupid shit. And um, I've seen this before. Every time that a market shifts, every time that there's a, a crash, I see the businesses that retract. But then I see the ones that say, you know what? We're here anyhow. Let's expand. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, yo, how are you expanding? How are you spending a marketing budget during a, it doesn't matter. Just do it anyhow. And what happens is at some point, the market always balances out. And when it does, the only people that matter are the ones that kept expanding. The mm. people that retracted and got scared, they don't, they don't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't matter anymore. So as soon as I start seeing people move like that, I know they're moving out of fear. I don't have fear. I don't have a sense of fear about me. I'm not afraid of shit. Um, so if I'm low on money, that's nothing. I go talk to God, that'll happen. I was just like, I wasn't finna get in a space like, I literally, I, I was in a homeless shelter three years ago. I slept next to junkies and bums shitting on themselves. And I didn't have $10 to my name. You know, days I, could, I went without eating food. This is three years, 36 months ago. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I done made 10 million, 20, 15, 20. You know what I'm saying? I made so much money since then off just me, you know? So like, that's God. Mm -hmm. That's God. There was no loans, there was no investors. That was God saying, it's your time. So how am I going to trust God? He done did all this and made me a millionaire and made all my dreams come true. And we got a pandemic and now I'm tripping like God ain't real. So that was my thing was like, I'm not in a position to worry. I can't worry about God has removed the spirit of worry. I'm not allowed to worry. I got to give it to God. You know, I can't, I can't believe God to be as powerful as he is and then be worried about a pandemic. Mm. Like God ain't saying God because it's a pandemic or something. Whew, so you're preaching on this Saturday. See, those are that Memphis roots coming out of you. Gave us a whole you sermon today. You already know it. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about maintaining your, I think your brand identity, but also your creativity because, you know, your the iconic stripes that you have on, of course, the tracksuit, but also on your suits, we've also seen pop up in other luxury brands as well as yeah, your other brands as well. What are you what are your thoughts or how do you think about that? 
You know, man, there's always a sucker out there trying to copy some rich fresh. It is what it is. I mean, they call me the drip god for a reason, because I am the drip god. I'm their daddy. So sometimes, you know, when you have children out here, sometimes your children sound like you. They might even look like you. Just being on who their mammy is. Um, so I got a lot of kids out here. Some kids are small and they broke and they trying to figure it out. So they, you know, they sound like they daddy. And some of my kids are more established and they doing good, but they still look like they daddy. Um, I see it all the time. You know, big, the big luxury brands will copy my, they copy the stripes. I've had brands try to copy the yellow tab. It's the whole thing. Like, I can't be upset. Like, I'm, I'm really perhaps the single most influential person in fashion right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, neoprene was not even a thing. No one even knew what that was. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing mm-hmm. neoprene tracksuits. And now all of a sudden, it's it's the fabric of choice for tracksuits. No one ever used neoprene before that. You know, um, even like when I was coming up with the whole bespoke tailoring and custom tailoring, no one was on that way. They didn't care about that. When I came to L.A., no one was wearing colorful suits. They wore black and gray and blue. And mm-hmm. I'm wearing pink double-breasted suits with my ankles showing. And they were like, what the and I like, trust and believe this is going to be the future. You just wait. And lo and behold, it always happens that way. So I know I'm a tastemaker. Part of being a tastemaker is you, you're responsible for elevating people's taste. Some mm-hmm. of those people are going to be people that's going to copy it. So it's just part of the, it's part of my job. Mm. Does that ever make you want to deviate from your iconic look and come up with the next, you know, next trend or the next wave? I mean, I'm doing that too, but like, I, I never want to deviate because as many people as I think have seen the Rich Fresh, you know, signature and they know who I am, it's literally a tenth of a tenth of a percent of the market. Mm. Such a small part of the market knows who I am. I ain't did shit yet. So I got to go even harder. And the fact that I ain't did shit and they already on, on, on my, they're already copying me so much. It just means I got to go even harder. Mm, okay okay definitely gonna be looking forward to see everything that unfolds in the future now I wanted to ask you something about your view on collaborations and um I want to say I was gonna say networking but I don't think that's the right word um I want to say creating community because I know someone that you worked with early on has been Lena Wake, and it seems like Y'all are a really solid duo, basically, at this point. Um, so I wanted to just get your thoughts on making the, I guess, making the right connections and knowing how to or when to collaborate. Um, I mean, you know, making the right connections, again, that's one of those spiritual things. Like, I don't push, I don't force it, and I don't vibe with people who I don't actually vibe with. Like, you know, if you're a shitty person, I don't care if you're rich. I don't want to fuck with you. Um, if you're a good person, I'm going to find a way to deal with you. So I think with Lena, you know, she's just a good person. She's got a great soul, good energy, and she's cool. And, I mean, she's she's got so much respect. Like, a lot of people don't know, but the way me and Lena operate, she trusts me as an artist. Mm. When Lena has the biggest event of her career, like, yo, I got the premiere of Queen & Slim. Yo, I got the Oscars. Yo, I got the Emmys. She doesn't tell me what she's looking for. She just says, do your thing, brother. <laughs> Yo, I got the Oscars. Do your thing, brother. And I'd be like, all right, cool, bet. When you need to see it. Uh, Oscars on, on Friday, so can you have it to me by Thursday? Say less, bet. She doesn't know what she's getting until Thursday. 
She has no idea. She doesn't know the color. She has no idea until she opens the garment bag and it's done. And then she's like, yo, he did it again. <laughs> and that's the nature of our relationship. So that's why it's so cool. Like, it's really not collaborative, but it is. Mm-hmm. It's collaborative in the sense that, like, she, every time she got a big moment, she knows who she's going to call. And I know how I got, how I'm going to deliver. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's very important to build community. Like you can have a dope product, but if you don't have an audience that's with you, you're constantly chasing. You're constantly chasing. You're constantly chasing. But if you build an audience, if you build a group of people that really put you, every product that you put out there, they will want a piece of it just out of support and out of their true and genuine love for you. So be mindful of that as you're building your business or building whatever it is that you do. Don't be so concerned about the money. Be more concerned about who it's going to impact and how. The money is guaranteed. That's like a no-brainer. But if you don't build a community and build real value and impact, then the money doesn't belong to you anyhow. Mm. Ooh, very wise words. Ooh, and I love that Lena approaches you know, y'all's relationship at, and you as an artist. And I think that's really different than how some folks might approach, um, you know, a relationship with a tailor or thinking about fashion, but you are indeed an artist. And this is just the way that you are expressing and creating, you know, through these materials, through these fabric. Now, is that the case with most of your clients that they kind of give you free reign or do most people have more of an idea of what it is that they're looking for? Uh, no, most of my clients, you know, they got a bit of an idea. I got a few that's like Lena that's just like, yo, just bro, just swag me out, bro. Hey, you, you got my card on file? I right, cool. Just swag it, bro. Whatever you come up with, bro. I don't care. I don't care. I just want most stuff. <laughs> you know, like, I got a lot of clients that's legit. I got a cl- a guy, he, he flew in to see, literally, char- chartered, chartered a private jet to fly in to see me to pick up the clothes I got. And to say, bro, I need more sh- fresh. Yo, <laughs> give me more. Sh- just like, come up with, bro. I need all the custom polos, bro. I need more tracksuits, bro. I need all this. Sh- bro, what's, how much I got to spend? What's the button? Bro, here's 50. Here's a 50 spot, bro. Give me a ride. Come on, let's go. I don't care. Just, I need more. Sh- um, and, you know, again, being a guy that struggled, I struggled for a long time. You know, it was days I, I would hope to make $50 a day. Mm-hmm. So for a client to pull up and, and give me $50,000 to make him some clothes, for him to wear right now mm-hmm. is a blessing. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, what is coming up next for you? Where can we see Rich Fresh going in the next few years? Women's Bespoke is right now. So I'm rolling out my Women's Bespoke range at the end of this month. Yeah. Very major. Uh, please pay attention to this. Uh, also, you know, more ready to wear. Like the Bing Hampton collection is going to expand and evolve. There are more pieces, more colors. Uh, and there's more, you know, we're, we're going to get more involved with the community in general. Um, so that, that whole thing is going to evolve and expand. So I'm very excited about that. The Henry brand is expanding. You know, we're now moving into the space of CPG. Like, just developing more products that we know our customers are going to need on a daily basis. Um, just beyond masks. I mean, masks are still strong. We're definitely, mask mandates are going back up, but we've done a good job of building community, like I was just talking about. And once you have a community, you kind of have a responsibility 
to assess the needs of your community. If I have a community and I know that I'm providing this for my community, but the majority of them also need this product, I kind of have a responsibility to provide that product as well. Otherwise, I'm doing my community a disservice by watching them go without. So now we're just evolving into a brand that just offers more for our customers. They already love us. They'd rather be spending with us than spending with whoever they're spending with. We just need to give them more items uh, of ours to, you know, incorporate into their life. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that. Now, are you able to share with us any of these consumer packaged goods that might be coming out under the Henry brand? Yes, I'll give you just a few of them. Okay. And these are the ones that, that you better use every day or you a nasty mother. Um, <laughs> tissue, mm-hmm. because everybody uses it. Mm-hmm. Wipes, because everybody uses those too. Soap. Hand soap because everyone uses that and moisturizer. Like I'm gonna stop there, but just be in that mindset. You, it doesn't matter how you feel or what you're going through. Today, Sanaa, you're gonna use some tissue. And today, Sanaa, you know what else you're gonna use? You're gonna use a you're gonna use a wet wipe, and you're also gonna use some hand soap, and you're also gonna moisturize your hands afterwards. That's guaranteed. I don't give what's going on. I'm guaranteeing that you're gonna use those four things today, and I got about 25 more things that I know you're going to use today Ooh. and about uh, 90% of the U S market is also going to use today. So all of these products, um, it's just, it's our responsibility to make sure that we can curate these products and bring them to you. Oh, I love that. I love thinking about um, a Henry lifestyle, a rich, fresh lifestyle. Absolutely. So this Absolutely. is, very, very exciting. Well, Fresh, I want to thank you so much for spending some of your morning with us. You have definitely dropped so many gems. Is there, are there any last words that you want to leave our listeners with? Just, you know, um, especially, you know, if you're from Memphis, I really hope that you know who I am. I hope that you're very aware of the story because it's a Memphis story. It's a Memphis success story. A lot of times we're told, well, we can't be coming from a small city where these opportunities and resources aren't available. It's bullshit. It's just a matter of wanting something bad enough to get it. So uh, please tap into the story. Go check out the brand Rich Fresh. Check out Henry Mass. And at the end of it, no matter what you think about the brand or how lucky we might be, we are just, we're just people that would not give up. We're very disciplined, we're very focused, and we would not give up until we got the result we wanted. And we're from Memphis, so I teach you how to get out there and really hustle. So that's all I want to leave y'all with. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you again to Fresh for joining us this morning. I mean, so many gems when it comes to entrepreneurship, creating a brand, setting your price points, and really just the mindset that you need to have to make it in these very cutthroat at times industries. So it was so good to be able to catch up with Fresh and really get his perspective. And I mean, honestly, how inspirational to think about him being homeless just in 2018 to now in 2021, really being the new wave of fashion. And I will say revolutionizing how we think about luxury. 
As Fresh said, his story is indeed a Memphis success story. So I knew that I had to have him come on the show and chat with us. And I hope that you were able to learn a little bit about fashion and his own kind of approach to business and creating Rich Fresh, but then also thinking about how you might take some of those life lessons and apply it to whatever it is that you might be working on as well. So for today's positive note, I actually wanted to leave you with two quotes. So one by Vivian Westwood that says, if you love something, wear it all the time, find things that suit you. That's how you look extraordinary. And so I just want to encourage you, if you have that favorite piece of clothing or accessory, wear it, <laughs> wear it all the time. Give yourself a little bit of joy wherever you are and every day. And then the second quote I wanna leave you with is from Ralph Lauren that says, fashion is about something that comes from within you. And I think that that really encapsulates what we talked about this morning. This has been Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. Of course, remember, wherever you are in the world, you can always tune in to all of the great programming here on WYXR. Just go to WYXR.org. You can tune in live or you can always catch the replays of our shows as well. And Let's Grab Coffee is available in the podcast format. So wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find me there. And of course, find me back here next Saturday morning.